الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته How's everybody doing? Fantastic, Alhamdulillah. So today, insha'Allah ta'ala, we are covering the famous, the beautiful hadith, the well-known, mashhur uh, hadith uh, reported by Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. This hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim and many other uh, books of hadith as well. It has many, many different uh, chains of narration recorded in many books, highly, um, you know, authenticated. The Prophet sallallahu says what? لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه that none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Now, it should be noted that loves for his brother, it's always also understood that loves that a sister loves for her sister. The brother is not exclusive, of course. The idea is that this is brotherhood, sisterhood is naturally included. The interesting thing about this hadith is that it has multiple narrations uh, with slight, slightly different wording. Uh, in multiple different narrations. Why is this the case? Well, Allah but it seems that the most straightforward answer is just because the Prophet ﷺ said this on many different occasions. You could imagine that this is a principle that needs to be really, you could say, hammered home. You know, there's something, there's something that we really need to emphasize. So you have the version in Sahih Muslim. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ says, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه أو قال لجاره ما يحب لنفسه That none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother or his neighbor what he loves for himself. And another uh, uh, version in Sunan An-Nasai, the Prophet says, uh, these are all authentic. I swear by the one in whose hands the soul of Muhammad is. I swear by Allah, swearing by God. That none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself in goodness. You know, now, even if the words in goodness wasn't uh, uh, specified, it kind of goes without say that you don't, nobody says to themselves, well, I really love drugs and therefore I love for my brother what I love for my, yeah, I love for my brother what I love for myself. So I'm going to share the drugs and then we're both all, you know, this is what Allah loves. Nobody's thinking like this. Obviously in goodness, min al-khayri, but still the Prophet, the Prophet specified this point that in goodness, in good things, you love for your brother what you love for yourself, in good things, you want to share good things inshallah. There's another version in Sahih ibn Hibban. That, so then now here there's two words that are more interesting that need to be you know, unpacked, you could say, a little bit. Uh, one of them is That an abd, a servant, does not reach the reality of faith, the, 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 the true essence of faith. So what does this imply? This implies that the completion of faith is that when you have this desire that you love for your brother what you love for yourself. So in other words, nobody can say that, look, if you don't love for your brother what you love for yourself in every single instance, like for every single person, therefore you have no iman, you're a disbeliever. No, this is not the idea of the difference between, let's say, iman and kufr. This is not the difference between faith and disbelief. This is talking about the perfection of iman. This is the completion of iman. The, you know, the, 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 the pinnacle, reaching that, you know, that, that, that top state, you could say. So, haqiqat al-iman. And then the, the, the wording here after that says, hatta yuhibba linnasi. This is really interesting. Until you love for mankind, we love for people what you love for yourself from good, min al-khayr. So then the question is, wait a second. Are we talking about Love for your brother, yani Muslim brother, you're, you're the believer. That the believers are brethren. Or are we talking about for mankind in general? 
I will leave you in suspense, inshallah. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But anyway, that's a very key important point. Which one is it? Is it that you have to love for humanity in general or love for your brother, the believer specifically? So I'll, I'll leave that till a little bit later. Inshallah, you can all mull over this question a little bit more. Yes. And in uh, uh, another version, this is in Sahih Muslim, this is wor- the wording is very different uh, altogether. It's a much lengthier hadith, but still the Prophet you know, mentioned this one portion that was very uh, beautiful. He says, فَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يُزَحْزَحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَيَدْخُلَ الْجَنَّةَ فَلْيَأْتِهِ أَمَنِيَّتُهُ وَهُوَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ that whoever wishes to be delivered from the fire and enter into the garden, as in the garden of paradise, should die with faith in Allah and in the last day and should treat people as he wishes to be treated by them. So the wording is very different here, but still the essence is still there. The essence. So subhanAllah, I, I, the reason I go over all these is just to show what? That this seems to be a principle that the Prophet ﷺ was saying over and over and over and over again. So it shouldn't be in our minds just a one-timer. Like, oh yeah, you just... No, this is clearly something that requires a lot of emphasis. And I mean, I think it goes without say that when something is highly emphasized, that is showing the, its, its importance. And subhanAllah, the Qur'an is so beautiful. The way the Qur'an is composed in such a way that, you know, how many times does Allah Ta'ala emphasize Tawheed? And who he is, the, his oneness, his power, his knowledge, and etc. Right? You find this is emphasized a lot. Why? Because this foundation of iman in the oneness of Allah and his greatness and his power, etc. This is so essential, right? And then you find, like for for example, uh, you know those who establish prayer and pay zakah. This is mentioned so many times in the Quran. Why? So every time you see something is repeated a lot, you realize that this is where the emphasis must be. And then, and then, so we should, we should in our minds make sort of, you could say, like a hierarchy. What is emphasized the most? I should emphasize the most. That which is emphasized less, of course I still take it seriously, but I still give it its due, right? That's, that's, that's the point. And Allah knows best. So, let's go and going back to the beginning. The, the hadith that we're talking about is narrated by Anas ibn Malik, anhu. Who is Anas ibn Malik? His full name is Abu Hamza, Anas ibn Malik, Al Nadr, Al Ansari, Al Khazraji. So he was born, uh, 10 years before the Hijrah. So he was just a young boy when the Prophet ﷺ made Hijrah. He embraced Islam while he was young, and his mother actually made him a servant of the Prophet. ﷺ. She came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Ya Rasulullah, I want him to be, you know, in your service. As a young boy, I want him to serve you. And he spent roughly 10 years in the in that capacity. 10 years he spent in the service of the Prophet. ﷺ. So you can imagine he is, you could say, drinking from the fountain. He is graduated from the University of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa alaihi wasallam. So this is somebody who benefited a lot, and he participated in ten of the battles. Uh, uh, and as well, there's a beautiful narration that Umm Sulaim was with the Prophet and Anas bin Malik was nearby, and so she said to the Prophet "Ya Rasulullah, khadimuka Anas, Allah lahu." That she said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, this is, you know, your servant, Anas, make dua for him. He's making, making the request, make dua for this, this young boy. And so, subhanAllah, this dua that he makes. فقال, so he says, Allahumma akthir malahu wa waladuhu wa barik lahu fima a'taytahu. That, Oh Allah, bless him. Oh Allah, increase him in wealth, in his progeny, in, uh, and bless him in whatever you give him. So this dua, subhanAllah, we believe it to be one of the, you know, again, miraculous signs you could say, like the evidences of the prophethood. Why? Because subhanAllah, he made this dua, it mustajab, you know, it was accepted. Why? Because he became very wealthy. He made dua for his wealth, he became very wealthy. He had over 120 children and grandchildren by the time he passed away. 
120 children and grandchildren by the time he passed away. He had, you know, may Allah bless his money, his money was blessed. May Allah bless his children, his, his progeny was blessed. He, and, you know, give him like a, a good life. He lived to the age of roughly 103 years old. He lived a very long life. Um, and uh, after his death, excuse me, after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, he moved to Damascus and then later he moved to Basra. And he was the last of the Sahaba to pass away in Basra in the year 93, after 93 Hijri. Uh, and subhanAllah, when, and uh, look at the dua, bless him in whatever he does, right? Or whatever you give him. What was the most important thing that he was given? Knowledge and the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And subhanAllah, he was blessed in that. Not just, not just wealth, not just children, but he was blessed so much, subhanAllah, when it came to ahadith, he reported 2,200 ahadith, wallahu ta'ala alam, throughout his life. Again, 10 years with the Prophet of course you're going to naturally learn so much, remember so much, and convey so much to the students underneath you throughout your life. So subhanAllah, uh, may Allah ta'ala have mercy and, uh, and shower him with blessings. Ameen, ya rabbil alameen. So, now in terms of the hadith, there are two extremes that we should be wary of. One of them, I already mentioned this, if, the, if it says, none of you believes until you love for your brother what you love for yourself, somebody might say, oh, if you don't have that love, if you don't have that desire to give everything that you have to your brother, therefore you're not a believer. Now, again, we clarified that one of the narrations says, حَقِيقَةَ iman. None of you has the true essence of iman. So nobody can go around saying, if you don't give me that, and if you don't love for me that I have that thing that you, that you have, then you're not even a believer. So this is one extreme. We should understand that this is the completion of faith. The other extreme, however, is that some people think that, oh, well, if I have love for the other, and if I have love for uh, you know, my fellow human being or my fellow believer, then therefore that's a manifestation that my faith is complete. No, this is one element. This is one requirement. It doesn't mean the whole thing. So what am I, why, why am I emphasizing this point so much? Because this is one requirement of the whole to be a believer. Similar, a nice analogy would be, let's say wudu. Wudu is a requirement for salah. You have to have wudu for yourself to pray. But nobody would say, oh, I made wudu, therefore my salah is done. Doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? You just made wudu and now, oh, well, there you go, I'm done. No, it's a requirement. That means it must be there, but that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that's required. Is that clear? In the same way, if you want to reach that stage of iman, where your faith is true and real and, and, and becoming complete, then you have to have this element of loving for others what you love for yourself. But you can't say this is the only element. And therefore, because I have it, I'm done. That's ridiculous. And the reason why this is so important is because this question actually comes up a lot. Oftentimes, maybe they don't pray. Maybe they don't fast. Maybe they don't give charity. But he's such a nice person. Sometimes Muslims say this about non-Muslims as well. They say, but I, I'm at work and there's a person who's such a nice person. Shouldn't they go to Jannah? Shouldn't they be accepted and go to paradise because you know they're such a nice person? We are not the arbiters of what is goodness and bad uh, and evil. Yes, of course, they, they, have, they possess a quality that is a beautiful quality. They have kindness, they have sweetness, generosity, that they love for others what they love for themselves. That's a great quality. That's one quality. If you have that quality, and yet you're lacking the most important, which is what? Recognition of who your creator is, gratitude, and, 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 and love for, and worship, and humility towards your creator. If you're lacking that, then clearly this is a problem. And you can't say that, oh, well, you know, uh, their kindness to the creation makes up for the crime against the creator. No, it doesn't work like that. First and foremost, you have to ask yourself, who is my creator? What should I believe? What is the truth? How should I live my life according to my creator so that he accepts from me? And then, yes, of course, after that, from that stems 
and then how should I work towards the creation? But to for one to replace the other, this is nonsense, and we don't believe in this. So I just want to make that clear, so that if anybody has this question, you know, I know somebody that's really, really nice. Isn't that enough? No. <laughs> to be clear, no. So, next. This hadith is a hadith that cannot just be simply claimed. It is not simply a claim that you make, and then that is sufficient. Rather, this is something that has to be lived. And this is similar to any relationship. When you talk about love, anybody who's married knows what, that it's not enough to say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then your behavior speaks the opposite. That's just not, that's simply not enough. Love is, you know, not just a, what do they say, a noun, not, not just a noun, but a verb. You know, you have to live it. It has to be, there has to be an action item. It has to be done. It has to be lived. And so in that exact same way, if you say that, yes, I do have Iman, and I do love for my brother what I love for myself on the inside, and it has no external manifestation, that's not, that's not our understanding of Iman. And so this is a very, very crucial and key and important point. Because this actually differentiates us, Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, from Al-Yahud wa-Nasara. You find that, well, from amongst the Jews and Christians, you often find that, well, I'm a believer, I subscribe to that group, and therefore I'm going to heaven. Because I'm, uh, that's it, that's, that's all I need. You know, that, that faith, everything else, everything else doesn't matter. I, I belong to a certain group, and therefore because I have that label, therefore I'm good to go. We as Muslims, we don't believe this. We don't believe that the, the label is sufficient. We believe that, yes, you have to adopt the truth and de de adopt that label. But in addition to that, it's necessary that you act and live in accordance with it because what is faith other than the seed from which the fruits of your actions grow, right? And that's, that's exactly what faith is. If somebody keeps saying, I believe something in my heart, but their actions speak otherwise, that's like saying, oh, I planted an apple seed and I got oranges. I'm sorry, you planted the wrong seed. I don't believe you. It's as simple as that. If you planted, if you got apples, that means you planted an apple seed. If you got oranges, it means you planted or same thing. If you have, if you say that your faith is in one thing, then it should manifest in your behavior. So simply put, you can't just claim that I love for my brother what I love for myself. You have to ask yourself, when have I manifested this behavior? Allah Ta'ala says what? وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَى نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهِ وَأَحِبَّاءُ That uh, the Yahud and the Nasara, the Jews and the Christians, they say we are the children of Allah, we are the children of God and His beloved ones, right? So they have this idea that, oh, you know, just because of my label, therefore we're guaranteed. And so we don't, we don't take from that position. We say that, no, this, these are things that need to be lived and uh, demonstrated. In fact, subhanAllah, Abu Darda, who he has a nice quote, he says, I swear by the one in whose hands my soul is. I swear by God. I swear by Allah. That I swear by Allah that Iman is nothing but like a shirt. Sometimes a person wears it and other times he takes it off. In other words, it's not just this constant thing. That, no, no, like sometimes you're, you're living your Iman and you're truly manifesting it through your days. And other days, you're not showing it at all. Your behavior is going against it. So the believer is the one who's constantly having this sense of taqwa, that I need to be living this truth. I need to be manifesting it through my words and my thoughts and my behavior. That's what the whole test of life is all about. If you just say, well, I got the label, so it doesn't matter what I do, then you've missed the entire point. And really, what is a belief if it's not being manifested? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you really have to even ask yourself, what do I mean by a belief? It's just, a, it's just a label that has no reality. So, wallahu ta'ala adam. Anyway, um, yes. Let's take a look at some examples in action. SubhanAllah, beautiful hadith from the Prophet ﷺ in Sahih Muslim. Ya Abu Dhar. The Prophet ﷺ is speaking to Abu Dhar, well-known uh, Sahabi. He says, Ya Abu Dhar, anhu, inni araka da'ifan, wa inni uhibbu laka ma uhibbu li nafsi. La ta'amaranna ala thnayn, 
He says, Oh Abu Dhar, I find that you are a weak person. You have some weakness. And then he says, And I like for you what I like for myself. He's like, I'm not trying to put you down, but I just know that you have a certain weakness. So, he commands him, he says, do not ever, it's, it's, it's very emphasized here. Uh, so the, 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 the wording of it is very highly emphasized. Do not ever be in charge, the Amir, do not take a position of leadership over even two people. You can't handle it. It's not your personality. Some people, they can be put in charge and they can handle it. Other people, when they're put as a leader, they can't handle it. He's saying, I, I know you. Look, and I want for you what I want, what I, I want for you what I want for myself. So listen, just don't take positions of leadership. It's not within your, within your capacity. And number two, do not manage the property of an orphan. Maybe he's not good with money. Allah, maybe he's, yeah, Allah knows best. I don't want to venture a guess, but for whatever reason, his personality was such, the Prophet is saying, listen, stay away from these things. Don't manage the money of an orphan and don't be in charge. You know what I mean? Be a follower and not a... And other people are different. Other people have the capacity for leadership. But it's just so beautiful that the, that the Prophet is saying, what? I love for you what I love for myself. So I'm giving you the best advice I can. There's an interesting narration in Ihya Ulum al uh by Imam Al-Ghazali, rahimahullah. He has a very interesting uh, mention. This is, you know, from amongst the time of the Salaf, Allahu Alam. He, he mentions a story. He says, a man once complained that his house was infested with rats, and he was told, why don't you get a cat? And then his reply was, I fear that if the rats hear the cat's meow, they're going to flee to the other houses in this neighborhood, and I don't want for myself, sorry, and I, and I don't want for myself, uh, or I don't want for others, I don't want for them what I don't want for myself. So in other words, I don't want the cat to be around and cause the rats to go into my neighborhood, so I'm going to try to figure out a different route. So it's just, a, it's just an interesting anecdote about how somebody was saying to themselves, I don't want to, this problem to be with others, subhanAllah, just thinking about his neighbors and so forth. The Prophet ﷺ says what? مَثَلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فِي تَوَادِّهِمْ وَتَرَاحُمِهِمْ وَتَعَاطُفِهِمْ مَثَلُ الْجَسَدِ إِذَا اشْتَكَ مِنْهُ عُضْوٌ تَدَاعَ لَهُ سَائِرُ الْجَسَدِ بِالسَّهَرِ وَالْحُمَّةِ That the Prophet ﷺ says what? This is a very famous narration. The example of the believers in their mutual love, in their mutual mercy, and in their affection for one another is like that of one body. When any one limb aches, then the whole body aches and uh, because of the sleepiness and the fever. In other words, when one part of you is hurting, the whole body's feeling it. You don't isolate yourself. So we have to see ourselves as one body. Yes. So subhanAllah, what does this imply? That we should be happy when the believers are happy and we should be hurting when the believers are hurting. That uh, the, to have this quality of complete faith, the only way it's possible is if you remove this jealousy from your heart. Because really, if you're happy when the believers are happy, and when, if you are upset and hurt when the believers are hurt, then for sure, you are not jealous towards them with rancor and hatred, and you are not upset when they become successful, right? So, anybody who wants to attain this status, you have to ask yourself, have a, do I feel jealousy? Like, oh, look at me, I got a new car. Oh, and there's this little anger. Hey, look at me, I got a new watch and a new laptop and a new this, and, and oh, I, I just graduated. Do you feel that sort of that clutching of the heart? And you're like, oh, that's nice, and with a fake smile and so forth. If you have that, then you have to ask yourself, subhanAllah, Am I really reaching the true essence of faith or am I lacking somewhere? What is this disease of the heart called hasad, jealousy, that I need to mend and fix? SubhanAllah. And it can get too so bad that some people, they love to spread gossip amongst the believers. They love to see disarray. They love to see when there's infighting. Oh, did you hear team this and versus team that? Did you hear? Oh, there's, 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 there's problems within the ummah. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's send messages. Let's, let's gossip about it. SubhanAllah. Allah Ta'ala says in Surah An-Nur, 
Ayah number 19. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَن تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ That Allah says, indeed, those who, like that immorality should spread or be publicized amongst those who have believed, will have a painful punishment in this world and in the hereafter, and Allah knows and you do not know. Subhanallah. So this is a very, very stern warning. Now, here's a question that might come up. Somebody might ask the question, well, okay, if I want for my brother what I want for myself, what if I want to be number one? But wait a second, does that mean I want him to be number one? And if he's number one, does that mean I have to want that myself, I'm number two, like I'm underneath him? So what should I want? Should I want for number one? But at the moment I want number one, he, I want him to be number one. If I want him to be number one, then I don't want to be number one. And then you get into this sort of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, whatever, this, uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg, or you know what I mean? Some sort, of, some sort of issue of like, how does it work, right? So anyway, I think that there's a way out of this sort of dilemma, if you will. And it's very straightforward. If somebody, and some scholars, by the way, have said this. There are certain uh, narrations from various scholars commenting on this hadith. And they said, what? You have to want for your brother to be above you. So some scholars actually took it that way. They said, no, I want my, I want my brothers to be above me. SubhanAllah. So I would say no, that there is, and wallah, there seems to be much commentary on this. And it seems that the stronger opinion is that you should simply want for your brother to be the best in his skill set, in his capacity, in his life, and you should be the best in your life and recognize that one person can never be 100% compared to another. Because we, we're living two different lives. And, there's, and a life is so multifaceted. And so I, I wanted to give an example that hopefully would uh, clarify this issue. Sometimes people, I'll try to give a you know, uh, relatable analogy. Sometimes people like to compare sports stars, right? Some people say, who was the greatest sports star? Uh, let's say, who was the greatest basketball player? Michael Jordan or LeBron James, right? Big debate people have been having for years now, right? Who's the best? Who's the, the GOAT, as they say, right? The greatest of all time. Who's, who's the best, Jordan or LeBron, right? Now, this comparison is made because they're in the same sport. But if you were to say, who's the better sports player, and then share between two different sports, who's the better sports player? Let's say, is Michael Jordan better at basketball? Or it was Tiger Woods, or is Tiger Woods better at golf? People quickly become a little bit awkwarded out. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of an awkward question. How can you compare? They're two different sports. They're too different to be compared, right? Like, I don't know, I, how do you measure these things? You know what I mean? Like, is he better at that sport versus that? Let's take it even more abstract. Who is better in their field? Let's make it really abstract. Who's better in their field? Is Michael Jordan better in his field of basketball? Or was Shakespeare better in his field of writing? Now you're like, man, how can you compare basketball with writing? Like, it's such a weird comparison, right? That's my point. That me comparing myself to somebody else, I have to recognize that based on my particular skill set, my particular interests, my particular circumstances, I can't compare myself to somebody else. I might be able to compare myself in one very limited regard. But because life is too multifaceted, the comparisons really don't work. And so it's kind of like, Comparing me to you or, you know, one person to another, it's kind of like comparing, like I said, you know, the, the best basketball player versus the best writer. It's just like a weird thing. It's like, it doesn't work. It's just better to say, I hope that you can be the best at who you are and I can be the best version of myself. Just the same way, let's say Jordan was the best basketball player and Shakespeare was the best writer, etc. You get my point, right? Just be the best in your own field. And nobody can be in your field because nobody lives your life. You have a unique life. Does that make sense? So when it comes to this question of, should I try to be you know, uh, better, do I want him to be better than me or worse than me? You're, you're the, be the best version of you, let him be the best version of him, and that should be that. Inshallah, we'll continue in the second portion.